God. Everybody doing okay today? Man, it's a good day, isn't it? It's a good day. Hey, listen, man, it, there's so many exciting things happening around here. Uh, just hearing Daryl talk about some of those, uh, man, just get, gets me excited. But like just this past Wednesday night, we had over 200 students here in the room. Three of them put their faith in Christ. And uh, man, we, you know, we saw numerous other kids make decisions that night. And so God is at work. And then at Embrace Women's Conference, it's, uh, we've already, I don't know how many are signed up, but I mean, weeks ago, it was like 60-something ladies had already signed up. So you might want to get on that and kind of get engaged and get involved. But God is on the move. He is working here. There's no doubt about it. And so we're excited about that. We're glad to be back. We, uh, we have been on, you know, on tour, if you will. We were in Israel. We got to see a lot of cool things. We had a great team that went over there with us. And it was awesome to see our, our team actually experience community. You know, last week we had Life Group Rally, and uh, what we were challenging, what Jeremiah challenged us to do was get involved in community. We all need community, right? And so even being on the other side of the world there in Israel, we watched our team come together and care for one another, pray for one another, walk with one another, you know, and, and just do life together. And so I just want to challenge you, if you have not got in a life group, and I mean, there's been some great life groups already this week. If you have not got in a life group, man, get involved in one, get engaged, and, uh, and, and don't just sit back and go, you know, I know I need to. We all know that, right? But do something about it. Take that step, you know. So today, we're going to talk about, you know, getting, getting plugged in and being the perfect fit. And, and these guys have done an incredible job. So if y'all would, give it up for our staff. Man, we have an incredible staff. Y'all give it up for them, our pastors, our worship team. Man, they just do an incredible job. But how do we figure out our perfect fit? You know, if you've ever put a puzzle together, you know, you, there's a lot of times, you know, you'll try to make a, a part fit, you know, or you'll piece and you'll say, hey, that just doesn't fit. And then when you find the right one, it goes in, you're like, all right, that's perfect. You know, and the perfect fit. So how do we figure out our perfect fit? We'll often see other people and go, hey, man, that's exactly what they ought to be doing. They are, they are in their wheelhouse. They're doing what they're created to do. But how do we figure that out? You know, and so a lot of times we don't, understand, we don't know how. We go, hey, how do I figure out where I would be good in making a difference for the kingdom of God? How do we figure that out? And so that's what we're going to look at today. And, and I want to back up and, and talk about David and Goliath. I mean, most of us know that story, you know, and you know, you know what happens in the story. You know, this huge giant has come out and he is challenging the armies of the living God. And, you know, and he's calling them out. He's saying, hey, just send a man down here to fight me. And uh, he said, and whoever wins, they will, they will win the war pretty much. And so it's this, this huge challenge. And it's, it's, it's been going on for days. He would come out and do this every day. And so I want us to read out of 1 Samuel chapter 17. It says, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. So King Saul, all of them had come out. They would stand at the, you know, kind of look at each other. He would come down. He would taunt the armies of the living God. And David just happens to show up because he's bringing some food and cheese and stuff to his brothers. And he hears this and he's like, why hadn't anything been done? You know, I'll fight him. You know, and so he goes and he tells Saul, he goes, I'll fight this Philistine. He goes, man, this can't go on. He goes, don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. A lot of, a lot of confidence right there, right? That was not the best pregame speech that, you know, that, that, that King Saul did. You know, but here's this, this young shepherd boy that says, hey, listen, I'll take him out. And he's going, man, there's no possible way you're going to win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. He's going, hey, listen, man, you're just a kid. But David persisted. He says, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. And when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, he says, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. 
if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Now, number one, here, this may be a little boy, man, he's got some backbone, right? I mean, he's going, hey, listen, a bear takes one and he's, he's running off with a lamb. He goes after it. He said he takes it from its mouth. And if it turns on him, then he beats it to death. I mean, that's a bad dude. You know what I'm saying? So he said, hey, listen, man, I've, I've handled way worse than, than Goliath, way worse than a man. You know, you know I've, I've handled the lion. I've handled the bear. He goes, I can handle this guy. And he says, man, I just club it to death. He says, if I have done this to both lions, he goes, I have done this to both lions and bears. He said, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. He had confidence in who? In God. He was confident that God would use him. He was confident that God would take care of him. He says, he will rescue me, rescue me from this Philistine. He says, Saul finally consented. All right. He said, go ahead. He said, and may the Lord be with you. And, and he's going, hey, man, you're going to need the Lord. He said, but if you're going to do it, go ahead. And look at this. He says, and Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. Now, you would think that if he's the king and he's the leader, then he would be the one to go out and fight this battle. But instead, he's like, hey, listen, you use mine. I'm not going to use it. You know, you go ahead and try it out. And David made it pretty clear, hey, this wasn't going to work. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and he took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. He says, I can't go out in these. He's protested to Saul, I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. So it wasn't the right fit, right? This, this heavy stuff all over. He said, this is not what I'm used to doing. So whenever he was out taking care of the, the sheep and the goats, he said, I didn't have all this on. He said, I need to function in how I have been trained and how I've, how I've been prepared for this moment. I don't, I don't need to put on all this stuff. He said, you know, I, I just need to go in what the Lord has already prepared me with. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and he put them in his shepherd's bag. And then he armed only, uh, only with his shepherd's staff and a sling. He started across the valley to fight the Philistines. Now we often hear people say, well, why did he pick up five smooth stones? And there's a lot of different reasons and theories, you know, that would go out there. We really don't know. We're just assuming, you know, we're just guessing. And some people think, well, maybe, you know, Goliath had four brothers. There's a report of that, that maybe he said, hey, you know what? I may need to take out the other four as well. And then others would say, well, maybe, you know, he knew that, hey, if he took out, you know, Goliath, maybe he had to deal with, you know, four other big guys that were even already there. And it could have been, he thought, hey, man, if I miss, I got four more. That's the way I look at it, right? You know, sometimes you just say, yeah, I just want to be prepared, right? We've got to be prepared. And so he, he goes out to fight this guy. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him and sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. He says, am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? He's got his staff. He said, and he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. And David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. The God, didn't I get you excited? Come on, somebody clap, man, that's good. The God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. I mean, he's saying it's all about what God's going to do. It's not all these, these tools that we bring. It's what God's going to do in me and through me is what he's talking about. Man, that's powerful. And today the Lord will conquer you and I will, and I will kill you and cut off your head. Now it gets a little morbid right here, a little graphic for some of you. Uh, it says, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Is that not awesome? I mean, he's standing on that. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. 
but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will, give you, he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. He didn't back down. He ran to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling, and he hit the Philistine in the forehead, and the stone sank, into, sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down to the, on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. And then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and to cut off his head. I mean, that, that's pretty graphic. I, I, I get it. But here, here's what I would say is that David took what he had done, what he had been using his whole life, and he was effective with it. That sling, uh, last year I was out in South Dakota with a guy who was raised in Africa. And uh, he, he grew up using a stone and a sling to hunt with. That's what the, the, the natives in the area where he was at. And he, he did a demonstration with us. And man, he was super accurate with that thing. And it was incredibly powerful whenever he would hit the target. You're going like, I could see that going, sinking into the head of Goliath, you know. I mean, if you're proficient with it. Now, some of us tried it. We were not proficient with it. We had not had the experience and the training and stuff that this guy had. And, and so it was powerful to watch that happen. So David literally takes him out. And most of us would look back and we would say, all right, David was prepared for that. He was the perfect fit to take out Goliath. He wasn't going out there and fighting him the way that maybe we would have thought with sword and spear, but to take him out with, you know, hey, with just the, the power of God working in him and through him, guiding that stone. And then here, here, here's another one. So Paul was the perfect fit to take the gospel to the Gentiles. So whenever we were over in Israel, we often heard uh, the guy that was walking, that was taking us around, Dr. Kevin Dickelman, he would say Jesus wanted to do it on his, you know, his time, his way, you know, and in his place. He said, God, you know, Jesus had a plan. And so when we look back and we even see that the gospel was there, that Jesus showed up, you know, we, we know that the Roman road had been laid out and the Romans had, 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 had put together this commerce and this traveling that, that, you know, literally the gospel could go all places. And the Greeks had conquered most of the known world. So the Greek language was kind of like a common language. So the gospel, gospel could be heard by most everybody and it could go just about everywhere. So God's timing was pretty doggone good. And so here's Paul, who we would say, you know, with Paul, who uh, was, he, he, he was educated, he was a Roman citizen, I mean, he had a lot of things going for him, but man, he was also trained in some things that a lot of people would say, well, how, why would he be good for the, for, the, for the Gentiles? The Gentiles would be us, not for the Jews. And so let's kind of look at his, his pedigree here. In Philippians, it says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. What he's saying, hey, listen, man, I grew up and I memorized what we will read. Like he would take the, the Bible, he would have it memorized. And he could, he could literally quote it from memory, every part of it. He could tell you where everything was at. You know, and so he knew it. He was well-versed well in the Scriptures. And so for the Jewish people, they would say, all right, this guy knows what he's talking about. But for the others, the, the Gentiles, if you will, they may go, well, if he's all into the Jewish stuff and he's all into the law and stuff, why is he interested in talking to us? But you're going to see him unpack a little bit more of this. He says, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. 
And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. 613 laws that they have to follow. We were over there, and our, our Jewish guide was telling us some of them, we're sitting there thinking, are you kidding me? I mean, 613 laws they had to follow, and it kind of got gets crazy and ridiculous. And so what Paul said, hey, listen, man, I was doing everything I could. All 613 laws I was following because I wanted to be right. I wanted to be the one that hey, said that nobody could say, hey, listen, you're not doing the right things. So it was all about works for him. And so look at what he says, though. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. In some translations, it says, I consider them dung or garbage. And if you don't know what dung is, it's poop. You know what I'm saying? He said, man, it's, it's, it's garbage now. It doesn't mean anything to me. He goes, I once thought these things were valuable. But hey, you know what? It's not about keeping the law. It's about understanding that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the promised one. He is the one that came and paid the way that made us to be able to be in right standing with the Father. It's not me keeping a bunch of laws. It's about me laying down my life. It's about me surrendering who I am to Christ and saying, Jesus, I want you to live in me and I want you to live through me. And so the Gentiles are going, you mean we don't have to keep all these laws? And we don't have to be born of a certain race or whatever? And he said, hey, listen, man, this is the gospel. He said, man, all who put their faith in Christ could be saved. And so he's perfect. He's the perfect fit for this. He says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says, for his sake, I have discarded everything else. Nothing else matters. He says, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Don't you love that? And become one with him. I no longer count on my righteousness through what? Through obeying the law. But rather, I become righteous through faith in who? In Jesus. That's right. He said, man, that is how we get there. So he's perfect for taking the message of the gospel to the Gentiles. That's why we're here today. Is God was willing to say, hey, listen, Paul, you're perfect for what I want to do. Now, Paul didn't realize that. You know, he had to have an encounter with Jesus on the road and then it changed everything. It says, for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. It's faith. It's not about following a bunch of laws and a bunch of rules and a bunch of regulations. But it's faith in what Jesus did on the cross. It's faith in what Jesus did whenever he literally was resurrected and he defeated death and the grave and sin. He defeated it all. And he offers to you and I, he offers to us salvation. By what? By faith. By believing in what he did and believing in who he is. And it's his way, it's his plan, it's his time. So how, how God shapes you for ministry. And I think this is important for us to understand. Because a lot of us are sitting here going, All right, God shaped David for Goliath. We get that. God shaped Paul for taking the message of the gospel to the Gentiles. We can see that. And let me just say this. The, the Bible is full of people and different characters that were perfect for what God wanted to accomplish. They were the perfect fit for what God wanted to accomplish. And so I'm just telling you, you might say, well, Mike, you know, the Bible is, is closed up. You know, they're, they're, God's not writing any more chapters. But I'm just telling you, he's using us to write the gospel in the hearts of people. He's using us to share our lives, our witness, how we have been, how we have been shaped for this moment. And so God wants to work in and through every one of us, every one of us in here. He wants to work in and through us. So how God shapes you for ministry. So whenever God gives an assignment, he always equips us with what we need to accomplish that. You know, uh, I love the fact that we, we have pastors who do the job of equipping people for the works of ministry. It's what we do. You know, our job is to equip people so that whenever we walk out of here, we don't have four or five pastors doing stuff. We have, we have a, whole, a whole church of ministers. So every one of you have been given spiritual gifts and, and abilities and things that you are to use to help do ministry, to minister to the needs of those around you. So here's the thing. We're, we're shaped for ministry. You know, you talk about that perfect fit, the perfect shape. 
So one, we have spiritual gifts. If you have put your faith in Christ for salvation, like how, how cool for these that went through the waters of baptism this morning. Y'all, y'all give it up for them, right? They're going public. They're letting everybody know, hey, Christ lives within me. Well, here's the cool thing. They got a gift. And it's not just a little bag with a t-shirt in it that we gave them this morning. But God said, hey, listen, I've got a gift for you. I'm going to give you a spiritual gift that you're going to use to help build up the body of Christ. And here's the thing. What you are experiencing today, there will be others that will experience that because of you using your spiritual gifts to help build up the body of Christ. And we don't know what those that went through that water might have experienced, but they may have received the gift of evangelism. They may have received the gift of hospitality. or It could be anything. But God has given them a gift whenever they put their faith in Christ. That's when you receive your spiritual gift. And there's different lists throughout the scriptures that you can look at that will tell you, hey, here's a list. But we don't limit those because God, God is, he can do whatever he wants to do, right? But he has given you a spiritual gift to use to help build up the body of Christ. Every one of us that have put our faith in Christ. But I will say this, you have to be a believer to have this gift. It doesn't, it's just because you were born does not mean that you have this gift. We'll talk about that in a second. You'll have abilities, but you don't have a spiritual gift because the spiritual gift comes as you receive Jesus Christ for salvation, and he places within you his Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit brings a gift. It's kind of like, hey, I'm bringing a little gift as I move into your life, and he wants to work in you and through you through that spiritual gift. So one of the ways that we are shaped is how we're spiritually gifted, and so we need to understand that. And then here's another one, our heart, our heart. You know, what, what do we love to do? What are we passionate about doing? This past week, I was talking with Pastor John Pierce. He's our recovery pastor here at Journey. And, um, and we were just talking about priorities, and we were talking about the things that we love. And I, and I asked him, I said, hey, man, what do you, what do you feel like you're, what, what do you love doing? And we were, we were just sitting over there talking, and uh, he said, well, for me, he said, kind of what I did this morning or either yesterday morning, he said, I feel like I am in my wheelhouse when I'm sitting on the floor of a jail or a prison telling men, I love you, God loves you, he wants a relationship with you. He said, and I get to share the hope that I have. And I'm sitting there going, dude, that's beautiful. But he says, hey, man, man, that's what I'm passionate about. You can clap it up for John. Man, what a, what a heart. See, there's a lot of you in here that you would never want to go sit in a jail. You would never want to go sit on a prison floor and tell men in there that you love them and that Jesus loves them and that God has a plan for their life. You wouldn't do that because you're not the right fit. But John is. See, John, his heart his passion is to reach these that a lot of us have given up on. And a lot of the ones that we say, hey, well, hopefully we won't ever see them again. But here's the thing. God can change anybody's heart. There was a thief hanging on a cross that Jesus changed his life, right? On the cross. And then we got to have that, man, we got to have that heart. We got to get, you know, God, what do I love to do? And maybe for you, it's not to be in a prison. Maybe you love to take care of senior adults, or maybe you love to go to a nursing home. Then use your spiritual gifts to go do that and your passion, your heart to do that. Maybe you love to see people get saved, share the gospel, you know, go, go do evangelistic stuff. Maybe you love to serve people, then serve. Maybe you love to give, then give, whatever it might be, right? But you got to figure, hey, what do I love? What, what's the people group that I love? Maybe you love working with children. Maybe you love working with students. Now, like I said, there was over 200 students in here this past Wednesday night. Maybe God, you know, God's telling you, hey, listen, use your, your spiritual gifts and your heart to go and serve those kids and to equip them and to teach them and to train them. And then here's another one, spiritual gifts, our heart, and then our abilities. These are the things we're born with. These are your natural abilities. Some people are born with the, the ability to run, right? 
Now, we wouldn't say that's a spiritual gift. Now, hopefully they'll use it for spiritual things, but maybe you have the ability to throw a ball or catch a ball or maybe you can run or maybe you can do math or whatever it might be. Those are abilities, and those are the things that you're naturally born with. They just come natural. God just gave them to you at your, at your physical birth. We realize there's a physical birth and then there's a spiritual birth, right? So you're, we are all created by God. We have a physical birth. We celebrate it as our birthday. Actually, one of our, our team members that was up here leading a while ago, uh, April, today is her birthday. So y'all give it up for April. It's her physical birthday. But we got others that, you know, today may be their spiritual birthday. That's when they put their faith in Christ. And so with our spiritual gift on our spiritual birthday, we get that one. But with our abilities, when we are born, God has given us some things that we can do. And so whatever that ability might be, you know, you're saying, God, I want you to use me for your purposes, whatever that ability is. Maybe it's to teach, whatever. I mean, it could be anything, but you want to use those things for God. And then here's the other one, our personality. You know, we talk about extroverts and introverts. You know, I had a guy years ago that he would, uh, he would say, hey, listen, Mike, and uh, he didn't have a ton of personality. Super nice guy, great guy. But he said, uh, you know, I, I will be good back there on the soundboard, kind of behind that, that, that board, kind of in the shadows. He said, I really don't want to be at the front door. I don't want to be a greeter. I don't want to be an usher. And I said, man, I think that's fine because we really need somebody on the soundboard. And so he was wanting to, he was looking at his personality. He said, I think that's where I fit. And there's some people that, you know, to be honest with you, it's like, it's horrible. I mean, they're just exhausted actors because they're like, this is not what I'm, I'm, I'm good at because my personality, it takes it out of me. But there are some of people that, man, they get energized by shaking hands and telling people, man, welcome to Journey Church. Then that's what you, you want them, you want them serving where that personality comes into play. And some of us just got to get outside of ourselves, right? We just got to say, you know what? Hey, it ain't about me. It's about the kingdom of God and it's about Jesus. And that's what I'm going to do. And then here's the last one is our experiences. And so spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and our experiences. And this could be anything. This could be, you know, work experiences that you've had, things that you've gone through, you know, that you've learned, you've learned skills, you've learned how to do things, you've had leadership classes or whatever it might be. And so those things will come into play. Maybe even some spiritual experiences that you've had. Maybe you went off on a retreat, man, and, and there was a moment that you had. Or maybe you went to Promise Keepers back in the day as a man, and God did something special in you, and you share that with other men. Or maybe you go to the gridiron, or whatever it might be. Or maybe some of the ladies, you know, you've, you've, you've been through something that, you know, hey, you, I want to share this with somebody else. And let me just say this. It's not just spiritual experiences. It's painful experiences. We learn the most, it seems like, in our painful experiences. And whatever that might be, maybe you lost a baby, maybe you lost a child, maybe you lost a marriage, you know, maybe you lost a job. And sometimes those are the most painful lessons in life. And then you see someone else going through that. And here's the thing, maybe you have survived, maybe you have even flourished after that painful thing. Then God said, hey, listen, I want to I be able to use you to help others walk through that. And so God doesn't waste a hurt. And he wants to work in you and he wants to work through you. So here's the thing. You're shaped. Everyone, everybody in this room that has put their faith in Christ, you have spiritual gifts. Your heart, what do you love to do? Your abilities, what are you just, it's just natural. I mean, you can do these things. Personality, what, what you know, what, what, where do you work and you're effective? And what, what kind of, I should say, causes you to feel fruitful and fulfilled? And then your experiences. What are some experiences that you can use to help build up the body of Christ? So you're shaped for something, Right. So I want us to look at this. It says, God takes ordinary people and he accomplishes extraordinary things through them because he shaped you for ministry. Every one of you. Don't look around and go, hey, well, you know, that's somebody here. No, that's you. 
you know, if you put your faith in Christ, then you have spiritual gifts. Now, the, the rest of the stuff, you know, God can work with, right where you're at. And he said, hey, listen, it's time to get this spiritual gift. And so God does these extraordinary things through just regular people like us. So why, why, would, and, and this next part, I want to hit it, and I'm going to move kind of quick through it. So why would I talk about this, the greatest enemies of a growing biblical church? Because a lot of times we don't use our shape. And I'm just telling you, you become an enemy of the mission of God. You do, I do, we can become an enemy of the church. Because we make it about us, and we don't, we don't, we don't surrender, and we don't say, God, use me the way that you have shaped me. A lot of times we, you know, we want to be like somebody else rather than who God has shaped us to be. You know, we, we, we want their spiritual gifts. We want to do what they're able to do, what their abilities are, you know, their personality. And here's the thing I tell people all the time. I just have to be me. You know, my personality, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be any other pastor that's out there, just to be straight with you. I'm just who I am. And if I try to be them, then I'm fake and I'm a phony, right? So I just have to be who I am. And I would just say the same thing to you. You have to be who you are, but you want to do it in such a way that you give God glory and praise and honor, and you make it about Jesus. But here's the thing. He shaped me the way that I am. And we've got to be able to say, God, I'm okay with that. And so let me give you some of these things that can get in the way of what, what God wants to accomplish through his church. One, we drift away from biblical teaching. We get to where we, hey, you know, we're not going to teach, you know, all, some of the hard truths. Like, even like a while ago, whenever I'm reading about David cutting off Goliath's head, there's some people like, well, I don't know if we need to read that. We don't want to offend anybody. The gospel is offensive. Let me go ahead and tell you. I mean, I don't know if you if it got this, but it says, hey, listen, if you, if you don't accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're destined to a devil's hell. I don't know if you know that. That's offensive. Some people are like, well, what if I don't want to accept Jesus? That's fine. That's your decision. But this is what you get. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so we've got to be able to say, God, we want to teach biblical things. We want to line up with your word. God, we want to be in the middle of your word. We want to apply the word of God. That's what we've got to be willing to say, God, that's what we want. Whether it's popular, whether, you know, we're living in a cancel culture or what, we've got to be able to say, God, I want to stand on the word of God. It is a firm foundation. So that, but here, I'm just telling you, the drift away from that, and it happens. And I, let me just say this, it's not just from the teaching from the platform, it's the teaching that you do as the body of Christ. You start, you start agreeing and saying things that don't line up with Scripture, here's the thing, who's the church? Am I the church? We all are part of the church. So even those of you that sit out there that you're going, hey, I'm not teaching from the pulpit, but you're teaching by how you live. And so if you're not living a life that lines up with biblical teaching, then I'm just telling you, you become a false witness. And we've got to be able to say, God, I want to line up with the Word of God. I want to stand firm on the foundation that you've given us. And so that's, that's one of the things we have to be careful about is that we don't drift away. Self-sufficiency. We don't think we need God anymore. Um, we go, hey, man, I, hey, we're paying the bills. Uh, we got a good crowd. And we, we get to the point where we're not dependent on God. These are the enemies of a, of a growing biblical congregation or a growing biblical church. We start thinking, hey, we got it. Hey, God, hey, why don't you go help another church? God, we're good. No, 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 we need to always need to be dependent on God. God, we need you to show up. God, we need you to move in this place. God, we need you to move on the hearts of people. God, we need your spirit to be moving in this place that none of us ever leave here the same. You know, that, that men, the lost are being saved, but those of us that are saved are being changed and transformed into the image of Christ. We need that. We don't ever want to be self-sufficient. We become inward focused. We start making it about us and our comfort and, and what we want, what we desire, not about what God says and not about what the needs of the people are around us. We make it about us. And so one of the, one of the challenges for every pastor 
and I've said this for years, is for me and every other pastor is to challenge the people and to, and to constantly push the people and say, hey, listen, let's get outside these walls. Let's take this gospel to the community. Let's go out and make a difference. Let's be Jesus with skin on where we live, where we go, where we go to school, where we work. But we got to get outside of these walls. If we make it about this is all it is, then we ain't got a whole lot. This is good. But, man, we've got to be willing to take this message to the, to the world. So we become inward focused. A lack of commitment to the Great Commission. We all know that the Great Commission should take place. But, man, there's a lack of commitment to that. And let me just say this. You know, we present the gospel every Sunday here. But the gospel should be being presented every Monday and every Tuesday and every Wednesday and every Thursday. Every day of the week by people who know Jesus, right? And that's all of us. We, we've got to be willing to share the gospel with somebody. With your waiter, with your waitress, wherever you go, you got to be willing to say, God, you know, ask in your mind, God, do they know you? And God, if not, will you help me to kind of get this out? Will you help me to share the gospel with them? Will you help me to tell them how much you love them? You know, and you don't have to go sit in a prison or a jail and say, hey, listen, I'm going to go do it on that floor in there. It may be just at your local restaurant. It may be at your favorite store. It could be anywhere, but wherever you go, we're to be a light. And so here's the thing. The reason a church starts dying is because it's not just the pastor, but it's the church stops sharing the gospel. I went to my, my life group the other night, and we're sitting there, we were talking, and, and uh, the lady who was hosting, she said, hey, she goes, Pastor Mike, I invited somebody to church tonight. I said, I said cool. I said, where? She goes, I was at Walmart. She goes, I was getting all this stuff, and they were going like, what are you doing tonight? I mean, y'all, y'all got like a big shindig going on. She goes, no, it's my life group. And so she ends up telling them about the life group, and then she invites them to church. You know what? I was like, that, that's awesome. And she's offering them hope, you know. And, and so we've got to be able to say, God, I, I want to I be about the Great Commission. Every one of us have got to have that mentality. And here's another, a lack of commitment to doing our part of serving and giving. You know, I tell people all the time, and I've watched this through the years, whenever I was a youth pastor, executive pastor, lead pastor, there's a, there's a, there's a flow that happens if, or a progression that happens, I should say. So normally, when people get disgruntled or, or they become inward focused or they make it about them, what they tend to do is they'll stop giving. So, and as some of you guys maybe never even started giving, I want to encourage you to start giving. You know, trust God with your finances. If you're living as a captive and not tithing or giving, I'm just telling you, man, you're robbing yourself of so many blessings. You got to be willing to give. You got to be willing to trust God. You can talk about trusting God in every other area of your life. If you're not trusting me, trusting Him with your finances. You're, you're literally living a lie for people around you because you don't really trust him with everything. And so here's the thing. So they'll stop giving. So that's the first thing. The giving stops. And then the second thing is, is they stop serving. And then they, they, the third thing is they stop showing up. And so if you ever want to watch where people are kind of progressively kind of drifting out of the church and they're, it's, it's because a lot of times we've made it about a, here's the thing I tell people all the time, if God is leading you to another church, dude, go with my blessings. I mean, I, I'm fine with that. If you're going because you're going to go make a difference in another church, if you're going to help another church, then go. But don't go sit over there and complain about what happened here. You know, come talk to me about it and we'll work it out. You know what I'm saying? But you can go with my blessings if God is leading. But if you're leading because you got, you know, you got your butt on your shoulders or whatever, I mean, then, hey, deal with it. Get it out. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's, let's sort it out. And you can, let's, let's go with the right kind of heart. You know what I'm saying? We've got to be willing to do that. But there's a progression that happens. We stop giving. And if you've never started giving, I'm telling you, you're not, you're not doing your part. We stop giving, we stop serving, and we stop showing up. And here's the thing, who wins in that? The enemy. You become a pretty effective 
member of the team of the enemy of the church. That's what you become. We become comfort focused. It's all about me and my wants. We get there, right? I'm, every church can get there. All you have to do is start asking them to do something. They're like, wait a minute. You know, I think we're okay. I think we're pretty good. You know, and, and you go, hey, listen, we've got to be willing to take a step. And so we become comfort focused. It's all about me and my wants. Not about the, the needs of the kingdom. Not about the needs of the community. It's not about the needs of other people around us. We make it about us. And so those are the enemies that we run into. And then here's the last one, a lack of sacrifice. I pray and I hope that we will always be a church that is willing to sacrifice for the kingdom to be expanded. I pray that we'll always be a church He's willing to say, you know what? I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to lay down something. We're, we're willing to relinquish the natural for the supernatural. We're willing to sacrifice our time so that we can pray. We're willing to sacrifice our time so that we can serve. We're willing to sacrifice our time so that we can worship. We're willing to sacrifice our time so that we can minister to the needs of others. I pray that we, all of us, would be a church that says, you know what? We are willing to sacrifice what is important to us for what is more important to God. You know what I'm saying? We're willing to say, God, we're willing to sacrifice. So here's some steps to put my faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. If you're here today or you're watching online and you never put your faith in Christ today, I'm just telling you that's the most important step. That's number one. And that, that step begins the progression of all the others. You say, you know what, man, I want to make sure that I have a relationship with Christ. I have a relationship with God the Father through faith in Jesus and what He did on the cross and what He did through the resurrection. And so that's the most important decision is what do you do with Jesus? Man, I'm so proud. I wasn't even here when she's not, but I'm so proud of those three students who put their faith in Christ for salvation at that age. And now here's the thing. It's our job as the, as the student leaders and the student pastors is to equip those kids and to help them grow up. And here's the thing. I don't know if those kids' mom and dads are believers until they become a light and they become a witness in the homes where they live, right? And hopefully I, that's where I was at. My mom and dad, were, they weren't living for Jesus when I got saved at 19, but that's the first people I want to see get saved. And I started saying, God, use me as a witness, as a light in my own home. And maybe for some of you, you got to be one to say, God, I want to be that witness. I want, I want to be, I want to be that, that, that light in my home to discover how God has shaped me for ministry. I think today in the second service, do we have the, the serve class today? Serve classes today. You, you say, well, Mike, I don't know how I'm shaped for ministry. Well, go in there and find out. You know, take a step. Make a commitment. Sacrifice the next hour and say, hey, listen, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to learn how I'm shaped for ministry. And so discover that. That's the step that maybe you need to take today. To trust God to use me to make a difference for His kingdom. Do you trust Him? You know, a lot of times, man, I trust God. Do you really? Do you trust Him in every area? Do you trust Him to use you? Do you trust Him to give? Do you trust Him to provide? Do you trust Him in every area of your life? We're, we're going to be starting a new series in the next week or two called In God We Trust. And we're going to be diving into some of that. What, what, what does God expect of us? Because we, we should be trusting Him to commit to use how God has shaped me for ministry and to help build up His church. There's a card in your seat. If you guys will take this out. Or pull it out from up under you, whatever. If you're online, I think we even have a link that will show up that you can look at it. But look at what it says. It says, I'm all in for reaching my community and making room for one more. You know, the reason we're going to three services, that's the other card in your in your seat. The reason we're doing that is to try to reach people with the gospel message. It's to make disciples. It's to expand the kingdom of God. And so, so here's what I'm asking you guys to do. Flip it over to the back. It says, I am ready to serve one. I want you to serve one service and then worship one. And a lot of people say, well, hey, is there one where I can just come in and I can do a little something and then I can sit down and worship? That's all about you, right? 
You might say, well, Mike, I don't have much time. Go back and do a time inventory. I bet you'll figure out that you got enough time to serve one. You got enough time to worship one, if you're really being honest. And so here's the thing. So we're asking. We want to know who we can count on. And so I'm ready to serve one. I'm ready to worship one because we're going to three services uh, the first uh, Sunday in November. And we want to make sure that we're prepared for that. We want to make sure that our teams are ready. And we want to make sure that every service that anybody shows up for, they feel welcomed, they're prayed over, man, and, and they, they get to experience God the way that we experience God here at Journey Church every Sunday. And so then the second one says, I'm currently serving and worshiping one. All right, so and we, I, what I want to say to you is, man, that is awesome. Don't quit. Don't quit. Keep doing that. And it's got your name and the best way to contact, whatever that might be, whether it's phone number, uh, email, because a lot of you guys don't ever check your email. But put down a phone number where we can get in touch with you, because we want to get in touch with you and say, hey, listen, we want to help you find out where you best fit in the body of Christ here. Now, some of you guys, I know y'all are probably going, well, maybe everybody else will do that, but I, they probably don't need me. I'm too old or I, I'm not old enough. Don't, don't play that game. Just go ahead and say, listen, you know what? I'm in. I'm in. Count me in. I want to serve. I want to make a difference. And so here's what I'm asking you to do. In just a minute, we're going to have a, a song that we'll sing, a time of response. If you're here today and you want to put your faith in Christ for salvation, then I want you to come down to where our, our prayer team is at and maybe get with one of them and let, and let them pray over you. But for the rest of you in the room, I'm asking you to check one or the other. If you're sincere, don't walk down because, hey, that's peer pressure. That's what everybody else is doing. Whether there's three baskets on this side, there's three on that side. I want you to walk down as a form of commitment and say, you know what? I'm willing to serve. I want to reach one more. I want to see souls saved. I want to see the kingdom expanded. I want to see God's church grow. And you can count on me. In just a second, I'm going to pray. And as soon as we end that prayer, if it's for salvation, then come talk to somebody. We'll have the VIP room afterwards. But I believe God's calling some of you to step up and serve. And you know it. Don't wrestle with him. Surrender to him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I pray that you would move in this moment. In our hearts. Start with me. Start with me. God, I pray that if there's anybody in this room that they've never put their faith in you for salvation, anybody that's watching online that have never put their faith in you for salvation, God, that today would be the day of redemption God I pray they trust you I pray they put their faith in Christ I pray they be saved not because of keeping a bunch of laws not because of doing a lot of works but because they put their faith in Jesus for salvation and they surrender their life if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ just say Jesus I'm I believe that you're the Son of God. Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life, to be my leader, to be my Lord, to save me, to change me, to transform me. Jesus, I give you everything. But God, I know you're calling people to serve. You're calling us as a church to step up. God, that we would be your hands and your feet. God, that we would trust you to use us. Father, I'm asking you just to move in this moment. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.